The first reading that we heard from um, the prophet Isaiah is a scene of worship, a heavenly worship centered around God on the throne, a heavenly king who, who forgives us and gives us what we need in our time of, um, of need. Our second scripture reading today comes to us from Paul's letter to the Corinthians, the first letter, the 15th chapter, verses 1 to 11. Listen for God's word to you today. Now I would remind you, brothers and sisters, of the good news that I proclaimed to you, which you in turn received, in which you also stand, through which you also are being saved, if you hold firmly to the message that I proclaim to you, unless you have come to believe in vain. For I handed on to you as of first importance what I in turn had received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas and then to the Twelve. Then He appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at one time, most of whom are still alive, although some have died. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unfit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. By his grace toward me, his grace toward me was not in vain." On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that was in me. Whether then it was I or they, so we proclaim, and so you have come to believe. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning once again. It it is great to see you all here today uh, on this annual meeting Sunday of our church. Uh, Hi to those watching on Facebook Live and YouTube. We're glad that you're tuning in and worshiping with us at a distance And hi to all of you in the pews, both social distance side, open seating side, balcony people. Um, We are shifting gears today from our January sermon series where we were talking about those holy oxymorons, and I know you had fun with those. Uh, Last week's holy guacamole led to many pictures of guac in my inbox. Thank you. Um, And we're going to be following here in the month of February Uh, scripture texts week by week that come to us from the lectionary, lectionary scripture texts. The lectionary is a set of Bible readings that uh, churches all around the country and around the world use week by week. And so these are actually passages that thousands of other Christians today are also hearing. Isaiah chapter 6, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We are in communion with sisters and brothers around the globe. And as you also know, we often read from the lectionary text when I run out of good ideas for sermon series. So that's okay too. But don't worry because, uh, don't worry because God's word is evergreen. There's always something fresh in it, something life-giving for us. Paul writes in his letter, quote, I have handed on to you of first importance that which I in turn had received. This is his way of saying that the message that he has given to the church, to the people, isn't something that he just came up with on his own. It wasn't just his opinion. It wasn't just his favorite part of the story. He received the gospel message, and he handed it on to the Corinthian church. By extension, this same gospel message has been handed on to us. Not as something that where we can kind of take it or leave it. Not as something that may or may not be worthwhile. 
but as something that he says is of first importance, a primary part of our lives, a core set of beliefs in which we stand. And then he goes right into it. Paul, in this passage we just read, he says that Christ died for our sins. He went to the cross for us. He was buried, fully dead, fully uh, fully and truly dead. And then he rose again on the third day. That's the resurrection. And Paul is mapping out this part of our faith. He goes on to say that the risen Lord Jesus appeared to all sorts of folks, Cephas and the disciples. He, he appears to 500 of the brothers and sisters, to James and the other apostles. He doesn't mention that the first witnesses to the resurrection were the women on Easter, but we know that, and we'll help Paul in this remember that. And then finally, he says, the risen Lord Jesus appeared to him as well. Paul wasn't there on the first Easter to see Jesus on that day. Paul wasn't a part of the early church where those gathered believers were blessed by the presence of the risen Jesus either. He was a persecutor of the church. He was an enemy of the gospel. He was a person who, according to the New Testament book of Acts, was present at the death, the stoning of Stephen, the first Christian martyr. And it says that Saul, who became Paul, approved of that killing. He's a person with a past. So when St. Paul says this, last of all, as one untimely born, he appeared to me also. On one hand, he's saying, I'm a little younger than these guys. I was born too late. I wasn't there at that time where I was, you know, part of the disciples. But he uses this word, untimely born, and it's a word in Greek that has to do with a miscarriage, a premature baby, a stillborn birth. This word is used in the Bible one time only. It's right here. Paul is saying that he was born into this life dead. Not physically dead, spiritually dead. On the inside, in his life with God, at least that's how it felt. He says he was unfit to be called an apostle because of the way he was living And I want to pause right there just as we hear Paul's story to to, to notice that some of us have felt that way too. Unfit to be called a follower of Christ, unfit to be named as a Christian, unfit to be allowed to be part of the family, the household of God, unfit to come to the communion table because of a past, broken place, sin or shame, Maybe you have felt that way because of where you find yourself on your own faith journey. You know, where you have more questions than you have answers. Maybe you have felt unworthy, unwelcome, or unworshipful because you didn't know all the words to the songs or you didn't like some of them. Some of you have felt that way this past week even. Not sure where you are in a life with God. Not sure you can claim that for yourself. And then here's a story from a person in the Bible, a literal saint, St. Paul, who has something in common with you because he felt that way too. That's the story of St. Paul's life. He felt unworthy, and yet by the grace of God, he's welcome. He says he was untimely born, not worthy to be an apostle, 
a person whose life would have kept him away from Jesus, someone who most others would say is not fit to be used by God. But he says, by the grace of God, I am what, is am, what I am, and his grace toward me has not been in vain. I want to do something about it. I want to live my life in a new or renewed way. Paul is calling the church in Corinth to go back, back all the way to the core message of the gospel that he has given to them, that he proclaimed to them, that he shared with them. And he goes on to talk about some elements of that gospel. It almost sounds like the Apostles' Creed. You know, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. And he goes on and on, and he talks about those parts of our faith story. We had some visitors one Sunday here in church, and afterwards they came out to greet me um, on the way out of, out of the sanctuary, and they told me that they were from the Reformed church tradition. And I said, wow, that's great. Presbyterians are Reformed Christians too, so we're like family. And then they said, yeah, and we're, um, we're Dutch Reformed. I said, wow, that's great. My great-great-grandfather was a Dutch Reformed pastor, so, you know, we're related. And they said, that's great. We just want to confirm something. Do you follow the, the canons of Dort from 1618? And I said, wow, I'm a Bible nerd, but not as big as you. Uh, and I told them, I, you know, this is a true story. I told them, our church affirms the Apostles' Creed, you know? And they looked at me like I was a preschooler trying to get into the college course. They didn't come back, but that's okay. And he's sitting here right now. No. <laughs> Here's the thing. Uh, St. Paul is reminding the Corinthians about something that they believe at their core. That's what he's naming for them, some of those core um, things about their faith. What's the main message of Jesus? What are the, what is the actions of God that is on display in how he came and lived and died and rose for us? That's what's been received and passed on. That's what we, in turn, have received for ourselves. But I want to say something about that. Um, St. Paul, for him, the central word of the gospel message is grace. For St. Paul, the central word of the gospel message is grace. We may associate Paul with a lot of things. He's known for a lot of things. He was the most prolific writer of the New Testament. He wrote most of the letters that we find there. He shaped Christian theology and our own understanding of what was the meaning of Jesus' life and death and resurrection from the first century onward. But even with all that he wrote and the formation of, in the formation of our faith, St. Paul's key word was grace, a gospel of grace, not a gospel of law, of every rule, of following commandments, of living a certain way. He says, no, it starts with grace at the core and then it goes out in our response. He says, by the grace of God, I am what I am, and God's grace to me has not been in vain. So Paul's reminder to the, to the Corinthians is that when they get out over their skis, you know, they're kind of going downhill too fast, a little out of control, or when they get confused about what they believe, or mixed up about where God is in their life, or wondering how to live as Christian people out in the world, something that we all probably struggle with, you know, how do we live as God's people in the world? These are things we resonate with, and he brings them back to the center, which is God's grace. It's like you need to remember this core truth. Go back to the core truth in order to move forward. Go back to the core, then move forward. My kids, 
do Taekwondo and Karate. Anyone here ever done Taekwondo or Karate? Raise a hand. A uh, few martial artists in the mix. Don't mess with them. Um, they, and as part of their training, they memorize this elaborate set of steps, of moves. In Taekwondo, they call it a form. In Karate, they call it a kata. And um, what they, it, it involves like step forward, punch, twist back, kick, sidestep, chop. And they do all of these different elaborate moves, and it's very specific how it has to go. And watching it, I'm, I'm amazed that they can remember all of this stuff. But sometimes they don't, right? Sometimes they don't. And so I'll walk into the living room and see them, and they're like this. And Lisa is like their mini coach at home. She knows all these things. And whenever the kids get confused about where they are in their kata and what the next move should be, she'll say, go back to the last step you know. Go back to the part of this, of this cycle that you remember. Go back to your base, and from that place, start again. When the kids get mixed up in karate or taekwondo, they have to go back to remember the core basic thing before they move forward. I think the same is true for us. St. Paul in the Bible, he sees himself as being unworthy to be an apostle, a person untimely born with a past that might threaten his future. And maybe I'm telling your story today, a family story of, of a past that hasn't been worked through generationally. Maybe I'm telling your story today where you've struggled in your spiritual life or your faith or what it means to live it out. We know this in our medical histories, the way that doctors will ask us about our family history of cancer, about our own history of, of um, things we've been through in the past to find out what it is that's going on right now. I want to invite you today just to think about going back in order to move forward, going back to the part that you know if you, if you want to move ahead. The part that you should know if you listen to St. Paul, if you listen to Pastor Erica, if you listen to me, it's about God's grace for you. It's the core part. That's the first part. God's grace is enough, is what was revealed to, to St. Paul, whose first name was Saul, the persecutor of the church, and God's grace is enough for you today, too. So here in a moment, at the communion table, we're going to come, well, we're not going to come forward. We're going to bring communion to you. We're going to share communion. And another name for this table is it's the table of grace. And it's been called that because none of us is really worthy to be there on our own, of our own goodness. None of us is good enough. None of us have been following the canon of Dort from 1618 correctly, from what I understand. But that's Okay. All are included and welcome. God's grace is enough for you when it comes to receiving this communion meal. God always meets us right where we are, but God never leaves us where he found us. That's that ongoing work that has to happen. So um, this day is a good day, maybe to come back to that starting point of grace in order to move out into your week, to go back to the core truth of God's grace. I love this line um, from... A, spiritual, a Christian spiritual writer, um, Dallas Willard, he talks about vampire Christians. This is what he says. 
He says, it's like we say to Jesus, I'd like a little of your blood, please, but I don't care to be your student or to have your character. So vampire Christians just want a little of that blood, you know, be covered in the blood, be saved by the blood, and then we're all good. But we are disciples of Jesus. We're followers of Jesus. We're trying to be formed in our lives by Jesus so that we can move out into the world and how we speak, how we think, how we act. So I want to do two things as we end today. The first one is to have you remain seated and see if you would join me in returning to a core thing of our faith, which is not the canon of Dort, but the Apostles' Creed. If you don't know the Apostles' Creed, that's okay. I'm going to put it up on the screen for you. You can read along. But if you know it, I invite you to affirm your faith, the the faith we're trying to, to find our way into, the faith that's being offered to us from the historic church. I'm going to confirm that we have it on the screen. Let's stand and affirm our faith together. I believe in God the Father Almighty maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty from whence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. And now... To those who read those words and say, I'm, I'm not sure about it all, or I didn't know every part of that, or I don't understand it yet, or I'm not quite ready, or I'm not worthy, let's go one step further back. My favorite Bible verse is 2 Corinthians chapter 12, where Jesus says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. You don't know the Apostles' Creed, that's okay. I hope you'll learn it. It's a part of growing in your faith to hear those words and to take them on for yourself. But if you're struggling in your faith, and you can be real about that, if you're struggling in some part of your life today, well, you're in good company because St. Paul was right there with you. This church is right there with you. And God's word to you today is clear. My grace is sufficient for you. So go back, start with grace, start again, amen.